From South Bend, Indiana, I'm Jacob Titus, and this is South Bend on Purpose. We're in a series of episodes right now from the Studebaker Talks, an event we held last fall in collaboration with South Bend City Church to listen to stories about South Bend's people, ingenuity, and progress. And it was a really special night. It was held at City Church's location, which happens to be a former Studebaker factory floor. We had seven speakers, a sold-out crowd of 250 people, and we raised nearly $3,000 for the South Bend Education Foundation. In case you haven't heard, we're doing it again. So save the date, October 7th, 2022, this year, back at Studebaker Building 112. Speaker submissions will be open during the month of May, and early bird tickets will be available sometime this summer. Today, we're hearing from Kathy Burnett. Kathy is the owner of Brainlayer Books, a bookstore in South Bend focused on developing empathy and building community with inclusive books. If you're a regular listener of the podcast, you'll know that we had Kathy on the podcast sometime in the last couple years. And much more notable than her appearance on this podcast is that in 2020, the Oprah magazine named Brainlayer one of 125 Black-owned bookstores in America that amplify the best in literature. She brought the spirit of her work and her bookstore to the stage for the Studebaker Talks, and I hope you enjoy. So as Willow said, I own a children's bookstore. And the weird thing about that is, I don't actually like children. Um, I mean, seriously, have you met children? Mm -mm, mm -mm. But books, books have been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. I grew up in public housing on the south side of Chicago in a neighborhood called Inglewood. My parents had moved north as part of the Great Migration, and they settled in this area in a building called 220 East 63rd Street. Um, We called it 220. All the residents, we loved the building, we called it 220. And this building was a part of a public housing project where they had this low income and, uh, sorry, (laughs) housing for low income and working families. And it was supposed to be temporary until they found a better place. Our building had 16 stories and 10 apartments on each floor. The apartments were concrete the floor and the ceiling. We had no air conditioning, and sometimes we didn't have heat. There were no property managers, so soon the buildings fell into disrepair. But we were gonna leave when my dad found a better job. Unfortunately, my mother and my father, they didn't get to go past sixth grade. As black children in the South, their education was less important than picking cotton on the farm on time. And so the job prospects were slim. And over time, the requirements for tenancy changed and the tenants changed. And when you have that many people living on top of each other, soon people turned to drugs and gangs for escape and for love. And for me, everything wasn't dark. I loved my sisters and my brothers, and we had a lot of joyous times. And it was during those times that I found my love of coffee and my love of books. Books were my escape. I read everything that I could get my hands on. You know, two times a a month, the Chicago Public Library sent the bookmobile, and I waited for that bookmobile with anticipation and with dread. The dread was because I had to return the books. 
these books that had characters were like friends to me, but the anticipation was maybe I could make a connection with more characters. Books kept me out of trouble. No wonder I didn't remember that, because that's not true. Um, books kept me out of trouble mostly, I should say. Um, and even though the characters didn't look like me or live like me, I found the possibility that there could be a change for me. And I thought that <clears throat> even though I didn't have long hair, even though I didn't have blue eyes, that maybe, just maybe, I could also have a happy ending. And this brings me to a study. It's called Windows, Mirrors, and Sliding Glass Doors. And in this study, Redeen Sims Bishop says that, I'm going to read it to you so I don't mess it up because I need you to hear this. When lighting conditions are just right, a window can become a mirror. She said, literature transforms the human experience and reflects it back to us. And in this reflection, we understand that our lives and our experiences are a part of the whole human experience. And so children often seek their mirror books. And that's where we come to the problem. When children cannot find themselves in books, or the images they find are negative, laughable, distorted, they learn a powerful lesson that they are not valued by the society that they live in. They learn that they have no value and no place in our society. Let me give you an example. Growing up, I was the only person that took care of my daughter's hair. She's biracial, so she has this beautiful, curly, natural hair. But all her friends had straight hair. All her TV shows, all her magazines, all the books that she was required to read in schools. And on occasion, we decided that we would straighten her hair. But then I started thinking about self-affirmations and empathy, and I decided that I didn't want to straighten her hair anymore. I started finding books that would help me take better care of her hair, to make her feel better about herself. But then I started looking for reading books that featured characters who had natural hair and brown skin. I also broke out the clippers, and I shaved my own hair off. Because how could I tell her that her curls and she was beautiful if I was straightening my own hair. And during this time, I came across this TED Talk. It's called The Dangers of a Single Story. And in it, Chibimandi Adichie says that growing up, she only read books with foreigners in them, and that by their very nature, she thought books had to have foreigners in them, that nobody in the book would be doing anything that she could identify with. Excuse me. And she's not saying that you can't read classics, right? She's not saying throughout books you read when you were little. What she's saying is, like, you could still love those books. I still love The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I still love Ray Bradbury's Martian Chronicles. And I still love Jane Eyre by Charlotte Bronte. But what I came to realize was that my own reading was relaying a single story, that the books that I read to kids in elementary schools reinforced a single story that the books I put in the middle school library told a single story, and that the very idea that we read books that we had as a children to our children, and we only read and shared those books, meant that we were ensuring that a single story would continue for generations. And that comes to the next part of our problem. 
When kids only see themselves in books, they have a hard time understanding the global connected culture that we live in. They have a hard time understanding that there are other stories, that there are other stories and they're connected to the one that they're living in. <clears throat> Excuse me. Over the years, there's a study by the Cooperative Children's Books, and they study how many books are being published for uh, children of color, LGBTQ, different things like that. And what they found was over the years, at least in the last two studies, there has been an increase in books that are inclusive. So that's fantastic, right? But they've also found there's been an increase in misrepresentation. So yay, more books, boo. These books were not high quality, and they were often inaccurate. So I began to wonder, whoa, sorry. <laughs> so I began to wonder, what would happen if I decided to include stories from marginalized voices? What would happen if I made these stories accessible so that people can include stories from marginalized voices? What would happen if I opened a place where people in South Bend could find marginalized stories. I used to go to nerd camp for seven years. Yes, I, a grown woman, went to nerd camp for seven summers. And over this course of this time, the seven years, I met authors, illustrators, teachers, students, administrators, and all these people had one goal in mind. They wanted to find high quality literature and get it into the hands of the kids. These were the people that told me, they encouraged me, you should open a bookstore and specialize in uplifting marginalized voices. And I was like, hmm. Talk to my family, talk to more nerds, ask a couple of people and I thought maybe, just maybe, I could do this, maybe I could do this. And then I did one more consultation. I wear these two rings. One says pray hard and one says fear not. And so 2017, I started a campaign to raise money to open a bookstore. Now, sadly, we didn't raise all the money we needed, but we raised $11,000 and we got started. Excuse me. Leave my voice up here. All right. <clears throat> Sorry. So in the summer of 2017, the day before Nerd Camp 6, the Brainler Bookshop was born. Side note on the name. 2008, I was on Twitter, and I was looking for a really cool Twitter handle, because, you know, I'm cool. Um, <laughs> so I had just finished this book, and the character loved anagrams. And I thought, okay, I'll use that. And I put the, the librarian in the anagram, and it came out as the brain layer. So an anagram is when you rearrange the letters and come up with new words. So that's how the brain layer was born. And so we decided to name it the brain layer 10 years later when I opened the store. But for a brief moment, I did think of calling it the Kathy. But no, <laughs> just for a brief moment. I made the conscious decision to focus on children's books because I felt that even though I don't like kids, their books are okay, and that children <laughs> Children are our future, and children's books are the most widespread, right, 
people read them at home and they read them at school. So if I wanted to reach somebody, if I wanted to make a change, I had to focus on kids' books. I had to make sure that we equipped kids with the power to see that all our stories are connected, that we equipped kids and we showed them that if they could accept each other and make connections, that this world could be a better place, that we could see a paradigm shift, pretty much. So that's why I chose children's books. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Here are two testimonies I want to read you, and I'm going to use the paper because I want you to hear what people said about Brainler books. The bookstore's collection has been important for my son. He's fighting an uphill battle against dyslexia. The Brainler's variety of books offer options that are appealing and appropriate for his reading level. In addition, my son is African-American, adopted into a white family. Every young person benefits from seeing a role model and having heroes that look like them. But I feel it's especially important for my son. This is from a child. This bookstore has changed my life. <laughs> my mom says that's dramatic, but it's true. Now I can see the world through the eyes of so many different perspectives. And I share that with you to show you an example of what could happen if we all were reading diverse and inclusive literature. It can change the person who loves reading and wants to be better, wants to have a better life. It could change the life of somebody who needs some self-affirmation and needs to know that they're beautiful. And it could change this community one book at a time. One last story. Growing up, my dad and I used to get up super early and so that we could have some solitude. I have 14 sisters and brothers. Um, we would get up and he would let me make the coffee, right? And he had this old stovetop percolator. And the thing about the stovetop percolator is it works by steam. You boil the water, it rises up, turns into hot water, drops on the ground, and it keeps going around like that, right? So you have that going. At the same time, there's steam coming up the side so the coffee is really getting saturated. And it's gonna be good, but only if you have a good eye. Because if it keeps going around like this, it's the same stuff going around and around and around, and it tends to get bitter, right? You have to watch it, you have to have a good eye, you have to pay attention. And I had a good eye, despite these glasses. And so I was the one who knew when to take the pot and turn the burner off for coffee. And my dad and I, he would get his coffee, I would get my milk with a couple of drops of coffee, and we would sit by the window. I imagined that we were visiting really cool places in our minds. Even now, today, I get up in the morning, I get a cup of coffee, I get a book, and I sit at the window. And I think, what if my dad had books that represented him when he was a kid? What if the people he worked for had read books that centered marginalized voices? So I leave you with this. You have a good eye. I hope you've been paying attention. I would like for you to remember that if you share inclusive books, if you pass this on, we can build empathy in South Bend one book at a time. Thank you.